<laughs> there we All go. Right. All right. Take two. Yes, we're going to try this again. This is the uh, Coach Haas podcast, sponsored by Fit Life Performance Training. Uh, today, I have uh, a friend of mine, Chris McKenzie, on. He is a um, he's a board certified sports and orthopedic sports, or I'm sorry, a Let's try that again. A board certified sports and orthopedic physical therapist. There it is. And he has his own uh, facility, McKenzie Sports Physical Therapy in Philadelphia. His main focus is uh, sports and orthopedic conditions, specifically shoulder, elbow, hip, and knee. Um, so we got disconnected there the first time around. So second time around, I'm just going to leave this up to Chris and let him uh, – <laughs> Let him go in as in-depth as he can into uh, why he does what he does and um, how he does it. You know, I, I, I hope the first time that uh, this got disconnected was not because of me. So, <laughs> But uh, hopefully um, we get going this time. So, yeah, my, uh, I just want to say thank you for having me on. This is awesome. And I, I think it's great that you're starting to podcast a word of experience um, since I started one before and um, had a, had a hard time keeping it going was you just got to stay consistent, like make it part of your plan. I, I just got involved in so much other stuff that it kind of fell to the wayside, but it's definitely something I want to get back into. So awesome. Well, hopefully I can inspire you to get back in there. Thank you, sir. All right. So uh, yeah, I've been a, a practicing physical therapist for about 11 years. Um, and um, kind of going back to my story, when I was in, in high school, I went to Satterton High School in Pennsylvania, and um, um, I ran track there. And I, 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 as a junior, I went to the state track meet for the 300 hurdles. Uh, I was like the first person to go to states uh, for track in a lot of years, so it was really cool. I didn't compete as well as I had wanted to there for a number of reasons, probably due a lot of it due to not being mentally tough enough, but, uh, mm-hmm. re- regardless, I made it there. And, um, uh, because of that, I, I got a lot of, uh, top name schools that were attracted to me then, you know, just right, by right. going to, to state. So I had a lot of in- interest division one and that's kind of what I wanted. I was like, all right, if, you know, in high school, I didn't have the best of like specific training. So I was like, you know, I just had a lot of raw talent so i was like you know if i can get some really good training at a good school maybe maybe i can run in the olympics one day and that was oh wow that was my goal i had a lot of speed i had a lot of talent i just needed to know how to get the most out of it um so fast forward my senior year um it was the third track meet of the year i was lining up for the 100 meters they blow the gun i explode out of the blocks and around 20 meters in or so maybe 25 meters i feel this little tingle on the back of my leg you know i don't think anything of it i take one more step with my left leg i take one more step with my right leg and boom i feel like something reached into the back of my leg and just ripped my hamstring out wow yeah so um you know i worked with the trainer um the athletic trainer um she put a lot of focus on my hamstring got my hamstring long and strong again you know by that point like six to almost eight weeks later i missed like the majority of the season um and luckily enough i had ran fast enough in the first two meets that i qualified for the last meet of the season so yeah you have to qualify for the like the district meet 
and you have to place at districts if you want to go to states. Right. Um, so you have to place in the top two. So I make it back to my race, the 300 hurdles, and I place like eighth. Because <laughs> I don't have any speed. I right, had no right. endurance. I had nothing. I had nothing. Right. So coming in there raw. Yeah, man. So I was, you know, I was kind of defeated, you know, like in, you know, there's one injury that kind of like, what, I mean, yeah, there was one injury that took me out of it. Right. I had no other problems ever. I had this one injury and then like all those top name schools just pretty much looked the other way, you know? So, um, so like anybody with a will, I found a way I, uh, he walked, I went to Penn State for college. I didn't have the grades in high school. So I started out at Penn State Altoona. Um, and then I eventually walked on the track team. So like two or th- like four years later, I actually walked on the track team. I walked on my senior year. Wow. And, huh. you know, I had been training and everything. And um, I was training with the team about for like a month or so. And I ended up tearing the same hamstring. Jeez. So, you know, I went to the trainer, the division one college trainer, like big name school, going to have good trainers. She, she worked on my hamstring, got my hamstring long, got my hamstring strong again. And then, you know, I tried to run again. I just really couldn't, like, I just felt like this gnawing, this grabbing, this like sharp pain up, like really high up in my hamstring. So, um, I ended up quitting the track team, which if there's any regrets that I have in life, that's one of them. Um, and, uh, I, those experiences are kind of what led me to go into physical the field. therapy. Right. 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 So when I was in school, when I was, I, you know, I was, I had some really good mentors some really good internships in sports, physical therapy. And I learned that the root cause of my problem was never addressed. So my, Bingo. my, my tight hip flexors were anteriorly tilting my pelvis over stretching, over lengthening my hamstrings. So it wouldn't have mattered how long or how strong I got my hamstrings. They were bound to re right. tear again and again and again. And that's what happened. It's the imbalance. Yeah, man. So that burned me up, you know, like mm-hmm. how, you know, I went to this, you know, I went to, obviously they weren't physical therapists or anything like that but they were like you know athletic trainers they they should know this right, right? right. they should know, they should this, know right. this this is like basic level kind of knowledge and like that's what they put the emphasis on they put the emphasis on my and you know even at the division one level that's all that they did and um you know so that ate me up and so the reason why i practice the way that i do and the reason why i created my own practice and you know i work with a lot of baseball guys now just because i have a lot of uh specialized kind of advanced knowledge at the shoulder and the elbow and i kind of know everything that goes into a throw but i don't want anyone to have to go through the same kind of pain that i did not like the physical pain from injuries because unfortunately some injuries do happen no matter how preventative how how safe you try to be accidents happen but i don't want someone to have to go through that emotional pain of knowing that you are capable of achieving so much more so much more but someone can't like you can't achieve it because somebody can't tell you how to unlock it so i feel like i'm the professional that can help because i was in that shoes those those shoes before and i don't want what happened to me to happen to them 
So when I, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great story. So that's kind of me. That's kind of why I practice the way that I do. So yeah, I have an office in right now it's in East Falls, like right next to Roxborough, mm-hmm. Maniac. And I've been in this new facility for about a year. I split space with a chiropractor um, who does a lot of active release uh, work. Um, he's, he's awesome too. So um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me, man. I'm in this fascination right now with, with the ACL um, rehab. Um, obviously, because I have a lot of those uh, mm-hmm. client patient right now. Um, but I, I've just, I've always had this, this, um, I don't know, this weird, like I'll watch on YouTube, I'll watch like ACL surgeries just because cool. like I just yeah. find such fascination mm-hmm. in it. So how much do you, uh, how many or where are you with that? Do you do you handle a lot of clients sure. and patients? That are- yeah, in, in the 11 years, uh, I can't tell you how many hundreds of HCLs that I've, that I've had the pleasure of treating, but it's been, it's been a lot. So that's, that's one area that I really like to treat. I mean, my wife tore, my, my wife tore her ACL three times. So one on each, uh, one on one knee and twice on the other. So two before I knew her and then one as a snow boarding accident but i wasn't allowed to treat her then just because i make her angry (laughs) (laughs) i ask her to do too much so (laughs) gotcha right right you have to yeah it's tough to draw that line it really is the 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 coach and the and the husband yeah i I, I understand that sure yeah so i have a lot of experience Uh, with that and i you know there's a certain protocol that athletes need to go go through not like a protocol but there's certain milestones that they have to hit before they can kind of progress to the next stage and i kind of find that you know a lot of uh a lot of like pt places out there just give like a generic vanilla form of kind of rehab and their quad isn't as strong enough as it should be and um you know so uh, yeah yeah i've I've seen a lot and i feel comfortably enough seeing you know, treating the worst of ACL or complex knee injuries. Right, right. Now, the the other the other part that's intriguing to me is the um, when they're re- when a uh, when someone's released from PT, they're still they're back from the injury, right? But they're not necessarily ready to play in their particular sport. There's probably a good four, five, six month window there um, that mm-hmm. they can be uh, that they need to be better. Right. Um, so you have a kind of unique situation because you're a physical therapist, mm-hmm. and then you're also you know um, a strength coach. Mm-hmm. So you get that, that next gap with them. So you are actually helping bridge that gap then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Between that PT to sports performance. Right, right. I have a little bit more of advanced knowledge being that uh, I'm a strength coach as well. But uh, oftentimes I'll see athletes that, you know, they're already working with the strength guy. Like when, when I used to work for Drexel, they have a whole strength conditioning program. So you know, I would tell the strength and conditioning coaches, uh, you focus on this and I'll focus on this. But then there's a, a time point where like care with me ends and then they move on to, you know, working with the speed coach, working with the strength coach. So, you know, at the earliest, 
at the earliest I would clear somebody to, to move on to like a return to sport and it's return to sport training is, you know, it's not like, all right, return to sport. Um, right. This is around six months. The fastest I've ever seen someone progress through, through, through the rehab has been six months and they were just an absolute freak. Uh, right. So that's rare, you know, but there's certain milestones just from a time from a healing standpoint, we know that at, at nine months, at nine months after reconstruction, the reconstructed ACL graft is, is around 100% of the native one. And then at 12 months, it's like around 120%. So it's actually a little bit stronger. Um, but until wow. that, like until nine months is there, like your graft right, is still right. weaker than what it used to be. So that's the importance of like, really getting good, like strengthening for the hips, really getting good control training with jumping and landing. Uh, so the knee doesn't collapse inward or anything like that. So yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question or if I just kind of rambled off. No, no. Um, but the other piece that, that I want to get into with you mainly because like you talked about in the beginning uh, was your specialty is the elbow and shoulder and you are on that baseball mm-hmm. end. And since we are, even though it is tough mm-hmm. to, you know, to really understand that we are getting close to baseball yeah. season when we're getting dumped <laughs> on with another six to 12 yeah. inches of snow now, but uh, baseball is around the corner and it used to be my favorite mm-hmm. sport. Uh, it's, I, I still enjoy it. Um, I'm a big soccer yeah. guy now, but I mean, this kind of works into you know it segues into baseball season so let's kind of touch a little bit on you know what you really like to do in that and that's that shoulder and yeah elbow. man so i take a lot of pride in um treating shoulder patients no matter if they're athletic or or, or not but as you know regarding baseball and uh you know i mentioned to this or, or you to this or i mentioned this to you earlier that i'm actually writing a book about, about, about my uh, specific examination process that I take guys through. Now, a lot of people think mm-hmm. like, you know, baseball, they directly think of shoulder and elbow. But like a lot of times problems at the shoulder and elbow, they're caused by problems earlier in the kinetic chain. So, you know, the, the body, you know, the one piece of the body connects mm-hmm. to another piece of the body and another, another one. And those are called a chain. They move. So that's why they're called the k- kinetic chain but um yeah so like uh the shoulder or i should say the elbow a lot of times problems at the elbow they occur because of the shoulder there's a lack of total rotation there's a loss of range of motion on the throwing shoulder compared to the non-throwing shoulder that's going to place more strain on the elbow um there's um you know specifically a type of um training that that i think is neglected so uh more recently you hear people talking about deceleration, how important deceleration process is when it comes to baseball throwing, like after you release that ball, you know, what happens to the arm and the stopping stopping muscles. muscles, Right. right, Exactly. So, you know, a lot of people, uh, they put emphasis on it's you know, it's just the shoulder, right? Because if you look at the way that a throwing, um, uh, when you look at the throwing cycle, anywhere online if it's named the last part of the throwing cycle or stage will be this deceleration so a lot of people think that it just has to do at the shoulder but if you really kind of trace things back so um 
the deceleration process starts as soon as that front leg, that lead leg touches the ground and the pelvis begins rotating towards home plate. So the pelvis begins rotating towards home plate, but that stride leg glute, those hip external rotators um, are beginning to fire eccentrically or they're starting to slow down the body because the legs are starting to slow down and it's past its velocity and speed um, and force up onto the core. So the core is rapidly rotating towards the front and then eventually that passes its force and velocity and speed onto the shoulder. So the core, the backside of the trunk begins to slow down. And then eventually the back of the shoulder and then eventually the front side of the elbow. Um, so there's like this whole, like, again, kinetic chain, this whole series of events that has to, ha- that, that has to happen. And if people are only working deceleration at the shoulder, if they only have an arm care program for the arm, you're missing the boat because it's happening before right. that. You need to look at the legs and how the muscles are working. So if, if muscles working eccentrically during a throw, Guess what? It needs to be trained eccentrically as well. You can't train a con- you can't train a muscle concentrically and ask it to work better eccentrically. It might be a little stronger, right. but from like a neuromuscular control training kind of standpoint, it doesn't work as well as it should. And I've seen guys where I just give them a a eccentric training program for their hip and for their I'm losing you there. Can you hear me now? Could be the snow. Can you hear me now? <laughs> hopefully I didn't lose Chris here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hopefully I don't lose you because of the snow yeah, here. <laughs> well, like if, uh, so just to kind of touch on, I could give people a eccentric training for if they're having pain oh. when they throw on a lot. I think we lost them. Yo. Ho. Yo. Three times the charm. That's right, baby. <laughs> That's it. So we were, Chris was dropping great knowledge there. So I wanted to see if we can get him back on at least so we can come up with a little bit of an ending because I know that when we talked in the beginning of this, you talked about a book and we did discuss previously that I want to have you back on as we get closer to this book so we can uh, help you promote your book. Thanks, Um, man. About you know the the release, but it was the it was the front foot of the pitcher landing and then talking about how the, you know, the, the torso was rotating and so on. Um, and we kind of left off there, but you were saying that if people are just training the shoulder, then they're kind of, they're missing the boat. They're missing the boat, man. Yeah. They're, they're, they're worrying about the caboose instead of the actual or the rest of the train. So yeah, man, that's, gotcha. that's, that's, kind of the crux of it if you know you're just doing an arm care program and it's just focusing on the arm it's like you're missing it you gotta you, you gotta do the you gotta whole train body. whole body gotta train right. the whole body and, you know listen i i believe this you know wholeheartedly that you know all training is core training you want to involve that as much as you can be functional mm-hmm. you know but you know you're looking to you know uh, accomplish things number one goal is injury prevention yeah yeah, I think, you know, good injury prevention is actually performance and enhancement for sure. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, so let's do this. We're going to we're gonna wrap it up, but I want to – if someone is trying to get a hold of you or find you, where would they find you social media-wise, email, <laughs> phone number? What do you got? Yeah, so, um, you know, you can find me on Twitter. Um, my handle is 
Dr. Chris McKenzie. So D-R Chris McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. My website is McKenzieSportsPhysicalTherapy.com. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in chatting or if you want to schedule an appointment, uh, our number is 267-332-8102. Awesome. Awesome. Chris, well, I'm going to see if I can piece this all together. (laughs) Hopefully it works that way. Mm -hmm. It should. I don't see any uh, problems with that. Cool. Worst case scenario is uh, we'll do it all over again anyway. (laughs) Right. uh, When that when that book is ready to get published. That's that's really uh, that's cool. That's some really cool stuff. So Thanks, man. good luck with that going forward. And thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. You're the All man. Right, man. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, bud. We'll see you. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.